good Thursday and welcome to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Glad to have you along here today. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a look at regional and national agricultural news. And we'll start with regional agricultural news headlines right after this. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. The 2023 California Underserved and Small Producers Program Grant Program will provide critical drought relief, technical assistance, and direct financial assistance for small and medium-scale producers or socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, as well as assistance with business planning, marketing strategies, and other economic recovery activities. The program also supports organizations to act as regional grant administrators to provide direct grant assistance for underserved farmers and ranchers and to aid in drought relief measures. In anticipation of the upcoming grant solicitation, the California Department of Food and Agriculture has published a summary of public comments received on the 2023 CUSP grant program draft RFA during public comment from November 4th through the 18th. These public comments were collected to help inform the program's components. A summary of the comments and a draft RFA can be found on the program's website at cdfa.ca.gov front slash CUSP front slash. CDFA will publish a final 2023 CUSP grant program RFA with an anticipated application opening date of January 16th. The application period will be open until March 16th. The application will be available through the Amplified platform. For this round of funding, the CUSP program has $2 million available under the Technical Assistance Grant Program for organizations supporting underserved farmers and ranchers and $20 million for direct drought relief assistance for underserved farmers farmers and ranchers through the Cust Drought Relief Direct Farmer Grant Program. And speaking of the California Department of Food and Agriculture, friends and colleagues at CDFA and throughout the state's agricultural community are joining in congratulating Inspection and Compliance Branch Chief Steve Patton on his retirement. He has put in 45 years of dedicated and loyal service at CDFA, according to their website. He began his career in 1977 as a seasonal clean peach inspector with the department's processed products branch, which covered peaches, pears, garlic, and onions to tomatoes, olives, and wine grapes. From there, he steadily gained experience, respect, and promotions on his way to culminating a post as branch chief. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey discusses the snowpack accumulation season to date for the Sierra Nevada mountains, the primary source for much of California's irrigation water and supplies. We started off with a really stormy first one half of December across the far west, and that boosted Sierra Nevada snowpack water equivalency from three inches at the beginning of December to 11 inches by the time we got to the holidays. And then between Christmas and New Year's, we saw yet another round of significant California storminess that bumped the Sierra Nevada snowpack water equivalency another five inches, getting us above 16 inches for the year. And now this week, yet another significant 
significant system. And in fact, by the time we get to the weekend, we'll be looking at two more major Pacific storm systems moving ashore. So as we speak at this moment, the water equivalency of the Sierra Nevada snowpack stands around 17 inches. That's about 175% of the early January average. And it gets us two thirds of the way to what would be a normal snowpack by the time we get to April 1st. This is really looking good following three years of drought and eight years of snowpack deficiency of the last 11. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Last month, Mother's Market and Kitchen opened a new store in Hollywood, making it the health food retailer's third Los Angeles location and 12th store overall. Like all Mother's Markets, a Hollywood store features a produce department that is predominantly organic. Mother's is proud to offer one of the widest assortments of organic produce in the country, according to James Solduti, Mother Marketer's Senior Director of Produce and Floral. He says over 90% of their fresh fruits and vegetables are organic in any given season. As in the case with other Mother's Market stores, a Hollywood location features an organic juice bar offering 100% organic juices, smoothies, and shots, as well as bowls. In addition, bottled juices made fresh daily are available in Mother's convenient homemade grab-and-go section. In terms of new organic items in a produce department, Soul Duty shared that Mother's has recently expanded its fresh-cut fruit and vegetable offerings. They've also included fresh-squeezed seasonal orange juice blends that they know will be a favorite, he said. They always use organic fruits and vegetables when available. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero. Superior bees. Superior pollination. UC Merced just began tilling the soil on what will eventually be developed to be a state-of-the-art smart farm. The 45 acres will be connected digitally so researchers and students can remotely monitor happenings, according to farm co-leader Tom Harmon. It will also allow researchers to test the latest in ag technology, but he said it will probably take about two years to get the farm really up and going because of the need to update or install infrastructure. So the smart farm is is going to be smart. It's not there yet, right? It's going to be smart through enhanced technology. It's going to be able to measure and monitor what's happening in terms of water use, energy use. It's going to monitor the amount of work that's going on in terms of both machine work and human work. And so it's going to always be able to give feedback on how the farming is either becoming more efficient or less efficient. Is the the farming using more water, less water? more energy, less energy, these kinds of questions. So that's what we mean by smart. So we we have a lot of uh, roboticists and geospatial folks who, who like to work on agricultural challenges. And we see sort of the future of agriculture becoming less strenuous for people, less arduous for people, maybe working collaborative, collaboratively with robotic devices, robotic pickers, Certainly, we've already seen self-driving tractors that can direct their own motion through the use of of GPS and localization algorithms. 
So we see a lot of, of advancement in those areas, and we, we'd like the smart farm to be a, a perfect test bed for that sort of thing. So we're enabling that by doing things like creating um, uh, in our plans a robotics workshop, a drone workshop, places where people can work on their devices in the field, but uh, sometimes they have to pull it aside into a clean space to tinker with it and tweak it a little bit. So that's what we're trying to go for with the smart farm as an experimental system. Harmon himself is a civil engineer. Joining him as farm co-leader is Joshua Veers, an agroecologist. Bringing agricultural expertise is farm manager Danny Moyer, who will be responsible for day-to-day farming operations. The three of us have been working pretty hard on this for the last couple of years. And I bring to the background, I'm, a, I'm basically a civil engineer or an environmental engineer. And I think a lot about soil and how water and chemicals move in the soil. Part of a smart farm should be not only to automate the actual farming, that is the planting and, and harvesting of the crop, but I'd like to see it move towards the automation of sustainability issues as well. The farm should be able to tell us if we're improving uh, the groundwater conditions, if we're improving the soil organic matter, these sorts of questions. So that's sort of what drives me personally in the research world. Josh, who's been just a real dynamic force behind the the original ideas and the concept of this farm, is what more of what I'd call an an agroecologist. He he looks at things uh, spatially, how to map things out with a drone, how to to see whether the the plants are, are healthy or in need of nitrogen. What does the boundary of the farm look like? Is it a road? You know, does the farm come right up to the roadway or does the farm have an edge of native vegetation that may be good for pollinators or not so good for invasive weeds? These sorts of questions. As you probably see from the uh, from the descriptions of myself and Josh, neither of us are farmers. Danny brings a wealth of information about the hands-on farming. He's, he's already been out there. He's already turned the soil and seeded the soil for this winter. And so he also has a tremendous background in agricultural technology, uh, the information systems to handle the wide range of data that are going to be flying around in these farms. Danny's up on that. So he's the farm manager and he's calling the day-to-day shots and really making things happen. So, you know, between the three of us, we've, we've been able to get this thing sort of on the rails and now we're trying to get it moving forward. One of the first things that Moyer did just recently was to plant a forage crop after tillage to help open up the soil. Harmon said high on their to-do list is replacing the outdated flood irrigation system with a pressurized one that can be used with drip irrigation or micro-sprinklers. From there, the actual crop mix will be dictated in part by the researchers and what type of studies they plan to conduct. So the land that we're talking about is about 45 acres on the southern edge of the campus lands here at UC Merced. It had been farmed historically, but not for a long while, maybe two to three decades. Uh, but there, there, were, there are still some furrows there. There's some flood irrigation infrastructure there. But basically, that soil had not really been worked, so to speak, in, in decades. So first thing we needed to do was really, and that just happened a couple of weeks ago, was to turn the soil over to disk it. And what Danny did then was to seed it with a, a winter forage, just to kind of wake it up and get it used to the idea of, of being a farm again. As we move through uh, what we hope will, will be a, you know, a decent rainy season, time will tell here. Next year, we'll start talking about blocking it off into different quadrants for different sorts of crops. We need to update our irrigation system and move away from a flood system to a, a pressurized, controllable 
system if we're going to be a smart farm. So those are our next big investments to to get the irrigation system up and, and to start choosing some uh, some vegetable crop. And then, you know, it's a little bit of wait and see time to see what the researchers propose. What do they want to grow? What do the what do their grants need them to grow and try to figure out and, and direct traffic on that sort of thing, if you know what I mean. As a learning institution, Harmon said undergrads will be brought into the smart farm to get their hands dirty, so to speak. Masters and PhD students also will be able to take advantage of the smart farm. In addition, he said there is an outreach component for K through 12 students that has already begun. Recently, a Merced High School AP environmental class visited this farm and learned how to measure carbon dioxide fluxes from the soil. We're really excited about getting involved at, at all phases of the of the UC education and even even the K through 12. That just reminds me that yesterday we had the uh, the Merced High School's AP environmental class out to the farm, and it was a it was a muddy rainy day, but we had a good time learning how to measure carbon dioxide fluxes from the soil and talking about the smart farm with them. And we're hoping some of them will come here someday as, as students. So there's there's the outreach component to kids like that. There's our undergraduates who will be in majors, who are in majors like environmental engineering, earth system science. We'll be uh, hoping to bring on some agricultural majors in the near future, but still there'll be biology students out there, uh, maybe bioengineering students out there getting their hands dirty and, and, and learning farming techniques while uh, they bring new ideas to the table. And, and they, you know, when a, when a kid sees a robot doing something out on the farm, they may have a better idea of, of how to make it happen. And that's what we want. We want computer scientists who go out there and they want to work on a challenge to make life easier for, for a farmer. And then, of course, as the UC, we're a research institution. So we'll have master's students, we'll have PhD students working on their dissertations that will be focused on collecting and, and creating new data sets at the farm. A grant from the state of California helped get the smart farm off the ground. Harmon said future funding will include grants and philanthropy. Researchers with grants who want to use the farm will likely be charged a rental fee, which is a common practice. Recently, the UC Regents named UC Merced one of two new agricultural experiment stations in the state, and Harmon said the designation will put the school in the big leagues and allow it to better compete for federal funding. We're lucky to sort of get kick-started by a generous um, allocation from the state of California, and that's helped us to really get it on track, so to speak. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a grant and philanthropic donations that will keep this farm moving. Faculty will write sort of, I would guess, uh, kind of recharge or, or almost like a rental for the space into their grants. There would be a fee system to help support the activities. And if we can get a good ecosystem going here between the faculty working on projects, we'd like to include space for startups in the area. So agricultural technology or other startups that need a a place to incubate, we could uh, accommodate them, we hope, when we're up at full capacity. And things like the agricultural experimental station designation are really important because they sort of put us in the in the big leagues in terms of getting some federal funding streams and competing for some of the streams of funding that go to big traditional agricultural schools as we sort of grow and be, try to become more like that in terms of the scope and the scale of our research. During the next few years, it'll be fun to watch the UC Merced Smart Farm take shape. I can't wait to attend the first field day and get my boots dirty at one of the newest ag experiment stations in the state. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, 
podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. The National Grocers Association Foundation has been awarded a $5 million grant by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrition Service to establish a technical assistance center that will guide grocers through the process of implementing online supplemental nutrition assistance program grocery purchasing. Independent community grocers have been actively pursuing expansion of their online purchasing platforms, including online SNAP and mobile payment capabilities, to meet the ever-growing consumer demand for online shopping, but obstacles and a lack of resources have hindered the ability of many smaller retailers to pursue innovative solutions, resulting in reduced access for customers to needed essential food products and services. That according to Chelsea Matson, NGAF director. She says this grant will pave the way for more smaller grocery operators to offer SNAP online purchasing, making them more competitive in their respective market areas and better able to provide service to food insecure Americans. These funds will facilitate the creation of the SNAP EBT modernization Technical Assistance Center, which will guide grocers through the process of establishing an online purchasing program, including required technology, as well as support for the mobile payments pilot, Semtech, that will teach retailers the federal requirements for SNAP EBT modernization, including the online purchasing and mobile payment programs. Increasing access to online grocery purchasing is particularly important to rural communities and areas served by stores with limited selections of healthy foods. Farmers National Company says land market momentum that began late in 2021 only picked up the pace into 2022. Competition for high-quality cropland resulted in both record sales and overall increases in land values. Strong demand in all the country's regions brought significant opportunities to landowners interested in capitalizing on the current land market. In most cases, landowners selling property experienced never-before-seen values for their farmland. The final result set records in several states and increased year-to-year values between 20 and 34 percent in a corn belt. Farmers National says the traditional local farmer operators are the successful buyers of land in 75 percent of their transactions. They're seeing a true supply demand scenario, according to Paul Shadig, senior vice president of real estate operations. There are simply more buyers willing to bid on the limited amount of land coming to market. Commodity markets are the main driver in higher land values. Senate Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow will retire after her present term ends, while USDA has a new Food Safety Undersecretary, Jose Emilio Esteban. Longtime Senate Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow is calling it quits after she completes her fourth term in January of 2025, saying it's time to pass the torch on to the next generation. The first woman elected to the Senate from Michigan, Stabenow says for the next two years, she will devote herself to passing a new five-year farm bill. In the meantime, Jose Emilio Esteban Esteban, a food scientist and longtime veteran of USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service, was sworn in as Undersecretary for Food Safety. We have one of the world's safest and strongest food safety systems, and I intend to maintain and enhance that status. 
The former veterinarian, CDC epidemiologist, and FSIS science chief told the Senate Ag Committee that collaboration will be key. The challenges that we face today in food safety are not simple. They're, they're actually very, very complex. And so we need to include everybody in, in, this, in, the, in this effort. From local producers to distributors and exporters to other federal agencies heading off outbreaks before they spread. By working together with our AFIS colleagues, we are every day at the slaughter plants, the processing establishments. Our veterinarians are in the field. Of our 8,800 employees, about 7,700 of them are in the field. They're doing things like checking animals for disease. But will that stop those with BSE from entering the U.S.? Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher. And you're, you're looking at a situation with possible um, BSE coming into the United States. Uh, think of the uh, hardship on producers, but also the huge economic impact on the United States economy if we would have to shut down. Asked by Fisher if USA was checking plants in Brazil for possible BSE after the case, their Esteban said he'd have to look into it. The United Auto Workers have announced in a news release they have decided to bring CNH Industrial's best last and final offer to its striking workers for a vote. Farm Equipment Magazine says the workers are expected to vote tomorrow. However, Ag Equipment Intelligence reached out to CNH Industrial for a comment but has not heard back. In 2021, when 10,000 John Deere employees went on strike, Deere referred to its third offer to the union as its last best and final offer. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says that USA is always looking for ways to boost the incomes of farmers, especially small and mid-sized producers. We're constantly looking for ways in which farmers can uh, figure out new approaches uh, to improve income, especially for small and mid-sized producers. There are several strategies. One strategy is by adding value to whatever it is they're producing. So if you have a value-added producer grant, you're essentially in a position of taking something that would otherwise be sold as a commodity. You're processing it. You're adding value to it right on the farm. Uh, You're creating that opportunity for additional income so that farmers not only benefit from production but also processing. Another way that we're approaching this is by expanding the processing capacity within a region or area so that farmers have more than one market opportunity uh, in which to potentially sell their livestock with more than one market opportunity, then hopefully the price will continue to be one that will benefit the farmers uh, because there'll be competition for their product. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. Farmer optimism continues on a slight upswing while agribusiness owners reveal concerns about the future. Those are major takeaways from the most recent DTN, the Progressive Farmer Agriculture Confidence Index, and the companion DTN, the Progressive Farmer Agribusiness Confidence Index. The current farmer-focused ag confidence index is slightly optimistic at 111.8, up from 105.8 in spring and from 98.5 in December of 2021. 500 farmer respondents were surveyed for the index. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. 
that's that it's there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go our live events continuing education webinars and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders let jcs marketing help you connect that will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.